0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Say again. Yes! Sir. I know who I am! Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been. I have been. Playing. I like this shit. Dance off, bro.
1: It is your destiny.
0: You. Welcome to the Atlantic Scream Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Oops. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week, uh, we're going to be joined by one of my favorite people online. He's a really, really nice guy. The only thing that's wrong with him is that he didn't really like The Last Jedi, but that's all right. We'll be able to talk to him a little bit more. Say hello to Walter Vinci from the First Time Watchers Podcast. Hello, Walter. Hello,
1: guys. Hello.
0: (laughs) You're putting on a weird, Uh average accent. (laughs) I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> so Wally, uh welcome to this this format, this episode uh of Atlantic SC and I wanted you to uh let the listeners that are going to be tuning in where we can find you, your podcast, what you guys do, what you guys cover because you're with Tim Costa and Hermano de Silva over at first time watchers. What's the concept of the show?
1: All right, so the first time watchers podcast is uh it came out came about from Tim, Hermano and I hanging out with each other. We all work together. In the same office, and uh, I approached them when podcasts first started coming out. I was like, "We should do a podcast, guys! We should totally do a podcast." And they both looked at me and went, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" <laughs> so as as time went on, I kept pestering them for this this podcast idea. Finally, uh, we would hang out together and watch movies together, and then we'd talk about it afterwards, like over like McDonald's, Taco Bell, Applebee's, whatever. And so eventually, they came around to the idea of doing the podcast, and so. The, the the format is we find a movie that we haven't seen, none of us uh, we watch it and then we talk about it. It, it can be anything it, basically any movie is up for grabs. Uh we've done, you know, old uh Hitchcock movies, we've done older silent movies, we did a whole silent um Month where every week was a silent movie, sweet. Pre nineteen twenties, we did a Hitchcock month. Yeah, and uh we have a d- couple of different segments on our show. We have a movie battle royale. We have a trailers uh, segment, which I think we're getting rid of in the upcoming future. But yeah, that's basically the format of our show. We have a spoiler section uh, so that we don't ruin it for people who haven't seen the movie. They can hear the uh, spoiler free version if they want to keep going. There's you know there's. There's that, and then we recommend a movie at the end. Um, and I try to dovetail my recommendation into something we've something we've seen in the movie, a theme or an actor or or, or something. I try to latch on to something in this movie um, that we've seen, and then. Uh, make a recommendation based on that.
2: Cool. Spoken with the specificity of a real promo writer. So it's (laughs) well sold.
0: (laughs) Uh, And you guys, if you haven't listened to the first time watchers podcast, definitely go check it Mm -hmm. out. It's really fun. Uh, Wally, Wally's always making me fucking laugh. Hermano is, is really on point with how he actually watches movies. And Tim is just a fun guy, but I wanted to know, I mean, like what draws you, what, what, what are the types of movies that usually like, get you to actually watch them. I mean, like, for example, Tim has been on and on and on about Geostorm, and I know that he he unabashedly really enjoys that movie, but there is a part of him just being, you know a little bit intense about it, you know? Yeah. And I think that there was the new, the new movie about, uh, what was the, heist hurricane heist something? Hu- hurricane Heist. Hurricane Heist, you know, that's probably another one. <laughs> like, he's calling it the runner-up for the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> so it should be interesting to see what you guys come up with that. But yeah, so I mean, let's get back to the original question. Is like, what draws you to, 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 to specific films and what genre is the one that, like, really gets... You going? I mean, you're bringing in uh, like Vincent Gallo today, <laughs> which I'm like, all right, that seems kind of it's very niche. I mean, if I mention like Vincent Gallo to my parents, you know, they're not going to talk about you know Buffalo '66 or even the what is it, Brown Brown Rabbit or Brown Bunny? Brown Bunny. Yeah, yeah. What what are the what are the movies that usually get you to watch them?
1: So mainly in my wheelhouse are like the big what I call the big three, like the the action genre, the sci-fi, and the comedy. Um, and what I look for in a movie is I want I want you to tell me a story. Like, let me see or tell me something. Entertain me is, is first and foremost. That, and that's, I know, movies being an art form are also ent- supposed to be entertaining. And because if you can just, if you just show me art for 90 minutes, I'm not, why should I care? Because uh, <laughs> yeah. I've only seen uh, one do- one set of, if you want to call them documentaries, that have okay. done that successfully, and that was uh, one was Chronos. What the other two were, but they're basically just like, static shots of, of recordings of the uh, of Mecca, and you see like the, and it's like a time lapse of people swirling around in, in in Mecca, or like sunset over the pyramids, and it's all set to music. Uh, and if you listen to the show, you, know, there's one thing I cannot stand is. I can't stand artsy fartsy bullshit nonsense. I can't stand it. <laughs> okay. It makes me it makes me angry when you when what I a see a director. We have
2: that... such a we have such a high tolerance for artsy fartsy bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: do. We actually do yeah, very much. If it if it uh, suits the narrative, fine. But mm. when when you're when I see directors doing it, as in the case of Annihilation, for the sake of doing it, or when I when you're telling me oh, a story, okay. when you're tell, when you're telling me a story in 90 minutes that you could easily sum up in like half an hour and you're just at you're just padding padding out just to you know self filate yourself you know <laughs> it drives me up a wall sure so you know what right what drives me is you got to pique my interest if it's something if i can look at your log line or like look up look it up on indb and see of what the story is going to be about that usually gets my attention right and then because i'm a a walking contradiction there are some really experimental directors that i really enjoy like alejandro yodorowsky is at the top of my list i mean he's constantly
2: entertaining no matter what he does
1: Yeah, but like he's such a. I haven't a, watched a, any of his stuff yet. I have uh, they to. Are I haven't watched <laughs> El Topo or anything like that. <laughs> the Holy Mountain has the best ending of any movie I've ever seen in Just my entire life. Fantastic!
2: they some of the best. dumbest, smartest, funnest films of all time. They're really great, but terrible. Like that—that's right. a—that's a simple qualification. I mean, it, it, you'd be surprised how many films can't meet the the marker of being entertaining uh so i mean that's that's a a, Uh, a simple premise
0: that's that's the funny part of it because like lee and i had actually started our our guillermo del toro retrospective and that's one of the main concerns for for me right now is when i was actually watching uh like his earlier films i was like okay am i entertained and i say that i have i have had a hard time actually getting back into the movies because i was like they're a lot of work i mean and i don't i don't mind that i actually like it but at the same time i'm like Okay. Is, is, is the craft really? the thing that's going to bring me in to watch these things because I know that he's he's an excellent filmmaker. He's actually a modern day Hitchcock, in my opinion. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to, to get people to feel a certain way and all that stuff. But I, remember, I don't remember what critic was talking about it recently. He said he'd rather listen to Del Toro talk about his movies than then watch another Del Toro movie. <laughs> and for the specific reason that he's starting to find that Del Toro's movies are actually tedious to watch because there's so much going on that you kind of get the impression that they're not entertaining. They're just working, living art pictures. You know Mm. what I mean? And so, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather take that. I'm I'm the guy who actually was able to sit through What's-His-Face, Gus Van Sant's Jerry. And I I have fond memories of actually loving that movie. But it's those experimental type films where you're like, nah, that's a little bit just too weird for me. But I don't know, like even Paranoid Park is something that I enjoyed. But I'm obviously, I'm not trying to compare it to Yodoworski at all. But I'd have to get to those. It seems interesting. But how about you take us through uh, what you wanted to talk about first, man. The Buffalo 66 with Vincent Gallo.
1: Yeah, so we recently reviewed this on, on our show. Uh it came out in 1088, and on IMDb it's listed as after being released from prison, Billy is set out to visit his parents with his wife, whom he does not actually have. This provokes Billy to act out as he kidnaps a girl and forces her to act as his wife for the visit. Fun. So that's that's the hook. <laughs> so you have... Vi- visits parents with his wife whom he does not actually have. And it's when you have like, oh, this person concept. has been kidnapped, I'm like, okay, so now I'm, I'm curious as to where this goes. And this movie features an 18-year-old Christina Ricci working with a then 37-year-old Vincent Gallo. And yeah. it, it, it's, the age difference in this is, I think, the reason why the chemistry is here and there. It's really touchy and spotty at best. There are some scenes mm. where she seems to genuinely like be you know warm acting, and you know, he seems to be warming up to her. But I evidently too, there was also a lot of uh, tension between the two of them. Mm. He didn't like working with her. In fact, <laughs> evidently, Vincent Gallo alienated a lot or pissed off a lot of people after the movie came out, where people were just disavowing themselves after the movie was released. But this movie is a real sign of the times. It's very very ninety. Uh, there are flashbacks that are done with just a square dissolve so uh, there, there, there'll, be, there'll be characters characters <laughs> talking and then in the middle of your screen a square just starts opening up with another scene uh, happening <laughs> at the same time and then opens up and then you see like the past and then rather than just like disappear it, it goes back down to being a square again it happened several times over the course of the movie mm. but this is one of the movie that as i'm watching it wasn't really feeling it at the beginning but as it progressed i got more and more into it and at the okay. end at the end i gave it a b plus cool because All i right. think i think it's i think it's actually put together well the story is is entertaining the character that Vincent Gallo plays is it's interesting because he repeats a lot of his lines constantly like there's a scene where he's in a a photo booth and they're supposed to be pretending to be a couple and he keeps using the words we're a couple and we're spanning time like we don't physically touch each other or really like love each other we're just a couple and we're spanning time spanning (laughs) spanning time Okay, and his his character does a lot of this repetition stuff, and overall, I mean, he just comes he, he comes off as kind of a tragic character when you see his his home life and basically a guy who's just trying his best and just not able to succeed. In also, anything that but he
2: also does. kidnapping people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, even 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 then, like he's kidnapping this person and he fails at that because you know, he's trying to be intimidating, and Christina Bucci just doesn't seem to be intimidated by him at all oh, okay and okay. You know, there's, it's there's a, a pathetic couple of, kidnapping <laughs> yeah it's like he's basically a mis- <laughs> he's basically a, a sad sack criminal not even a criminal because when you get to, when you get into the movie there's a reason why he's coming out of prison mm. and he's just he's just a, he's a he's a failure trying to make good and i i think that just the it, it's it's shot oddly at points because they did some like guerrilla filmmaking in there somewhere i'm, I'm sure but overall this movie kind of grew on me as as it went along and I actually I actually enjoyed it quite a bit cool I mean but isn't it
0: this is this is considered his best film is it not Uh, from what I understand yes it's like he it's his his
1: directorial debut
0: how many features has he directed four or five Uh, let's
1: see he's got uh, Buffalo 66 The Brown Bunny Promises Written in the Water three
0: okay there you go that's it. He's more of an actor now. He was in one of uh, Francis Ford Coppola's films uh, when uh, Coppola had decided to to just go back to doing experimental stuff. Because he, it was the movie just before Twixt, Tetro, That's it. That's the one. Uh-huh. I have to watch Tetro. Uh, I'd been meaning to get to it. It's uh, Coppola had shot that one. I think it's in black and white actually. Uh, it seemed really really interesting i just haven't gotten around to it gallo's always been an enigma to me man yeah uh, he's one of those guys that's just very odd uh, he looked dirty that's why one of the reasons <laughs> i hadn't really watched many of the things that he was in
1: yeah this this movie that, that i think could be remade with a, with a more modern sensibility and i think it would have a little bit more impact because while i'm watching vince and gallo like, my first thought is like you know this would be if this was like frank grillo or oscar isaac this movie i think would have a lot more weight to it hmm.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but Makes sense. you would probably lose that charming, slightly outdated, slightly gaudy 90s filmmaking style, you know? It's like yes, it's like remaking are making things from the 70s when they take out the zoom. <laughs> All
0: right. So, would you recommend the uh, Buffalo 66, man? I would recommend. I would recommend. Cool. Uh, Lee, do you want to move on to one of yours, do yeah. we do Wally again?
2: Uh, I'll 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 talk. Uh, so uh the film I, I I'm bringing to the table today is Annihilation Can you describe its form?
0: No. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away?
2: You think I'm out in the garden, pining, looking up at the sky?
0: (laughs) Why aren't you here?
2: I gotta leave a day early.
1: husband's here. Let me see him.
0: He's extremely ill.
2: You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer.
0: We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military.
2: If I knew what happened to life the boundary is getting bigger it's expanding
1: we're talking cities states you need to know what's inside so do i
2: it's beautiful check this out it's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation anything interesting in there
0: no sharks have teeth like that
2: not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on
0: the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence?
1: We have to go back. I can't go back. We
2: can camp here tonight. everything it's not destroying
1: it's making something new
2: i don't really know (laughs) what the the reception is to this film at all uh wally has actually it's 50 50 really seriously yep yeah, that kind of makes sense to me. I, I was listening to the first-time watchers uh, who I've already covered the show and Wally uh, was the outlying voice of either three or four people who said he didn't like the film at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what you were saying was uh, that it, it, the characters didn't grab you. I get that. Uh, and that was one of the things that was coming across to me while I was watching it was that I don't really know if everybody would like that. I kind of try to think of things, uh, much like Jason tries to think of things, what would my like parents w- think of this, you know, if I handed yeah. it to them? And that's sort of the barometer for a- accessibility. You know, if, I'm, if I give a recommendation that's a bit arty, is it still got enough going on in, in the generals to make it seem like I'm not just forcing some fucking metaphorical crap on them and they're going to complain to me the next time? It's like, I can't believe you made- sat us down and made us watch that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit... Out on annihilation on that front because while it's a film I really liked, I kind of get where you were coming from, uh, Wally, when you were talking about the film and that it wasn't like it didn't super grab you, yeah. Uh, in in a, in a conventional storytelling sense, you know, what even, despite all its high values and and uh, metaphorical intentions, it, it does set itself up perhaps as a uh, like a mystery sci-fi thriller and there are about three or four scenes and a lot of walking. <laughs> uh, okay. And so it kind of, it, it, it does present itself as not exactly perhaps the most thrilling of films. It, it, it does seem almost realistically like how a scientific expedition might go, and that there is a lot of just getting to places and setting up for camp. It reminded me actually a lot of Arrival, though, and that's why I'm a little out on it, because Arrival wasn't exactly the most fucking thrilling film in the world it was a bunch of conversations lab rooms occasional shots of, of hand aliens and, and uh, you know there's as much in it and as much weight and and metaphor behind it as in annihilation so that's why what what i mean what what were your thoughts on on uh, arrival i
1: wasn't keen on
2: arrival either
1: um, yeah well, ah, well there we go okay. we have a little we have that a little explains.
2: grounding a little uh, thread between yeah basically
1: <laughs> basically like when I look at, like, a, a movie such as, uh, you know, Arrival and Annihilation, I have seen these exact same stories done in 60 minutes on an episode of Doctor Who and done better.
2: Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah, I okay. wouldn't say better, but I'd say done, absolutely.
1: <laughs> More entertainingly, where I'm, like, in, in, enwrapped in the story going, where's it going to go next? Yeah. You know, Arrival is, I learned a language, I can see time. Okay. <laughs> Okay,
0: Uh, let's not not get into explaining. We could debate about Arrival that it's a little bit more than that. But I want to stick to (laughs) Annihilation. But I understand that, you know, you're not the only one uh, who who thought Arrival was kind of boring, to be honest. Yeah, a couple of my friends tell me like, man, whatever, you know, but it's a It's actually a movie I'm teaching this semester. I'm Mm. really eager to. Should be interesting. And that's so like, I'll tell them. Well, there's a guy that I know that's going to say that you guys are going to be bored out of your fucking minds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually want to give a rival another shot. Like, mm. in in all honesty, Tens, when it when it when it comes to movies like that. Listen sometimes, to our show on it listen to our
0: show
2: watch it first
0: i will watch it
2: first (laughs) just don't listen to the show if you don't if you don't enjoy the film what's the fucking point
1: (laughs) well i try to i try to give movies that i'm not necessarily high on like i wasn't really high on atomic blonde either but i want to give those a a rewatch down the road when i've separated myself from it a little bit and to see if it hits me (laughs) differently to see maybe yeah yeah because a lot, some of the, some of the times, I blame the marketing department, and in this case, I think I blame the marketing department again for showing me what's supposed to be. You know, this is the guy who brought me dread. I'm gonna yeah. get a sci-fi thriller and and not know what's going on, and it's 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 not that, though. It is one of the okay. scariest scenes I've ever seen in a movie in in some time.
2: Uh, that being the creepy the bear. bear scene. Yeah, bear. it's it, it is great. I have seen something a little similar in it of that uh in anime somewhere down the line i can't remember where but uh the concept is great uh uh, i won't spoil it for anybody but it's a super fun time uh yeah i mean that's the interesting thing like with arrival my parents really dug it you know and that's that's what makes it so hard to hedge a a recommendation for annihilation because it's as you say it kind of it does have the the form and the setup of what feels like it should be a bit of a thrilling film but it's very plodding and slow paced and the characters are speaking more to general experiences than they feel like lived in people so you do have a little moments of relationships and you kind of just kind of like a rival they don't kind of feel totally real and to me it it, it felt to me like the first 40 minutes or so I was struggling to get infested in it but after that point I was I fucking loved this film uh, and it's weird because I didn't I didn't know a lot about it and I had to get uh, a grasp of what the concept was as it was going along I hadn't I, I watched a trailer months and months ago and I don't remember anything of it and uh, and I, I, I specifically avoided all reviews uh, so like I was trying I was like what are they going to- on this expedition for uh, and if for those who don't know about the film it's Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee set up an expedition into this uh, place called the the Glim- the shimmer the shimmer yeah and uh, and, and, and it's something that's landed on Earth supposedly and it has caused this sort of force field area and they need to check it out because every expedition they've sent in has not come back except for Natalie Portman's husband uh, and so now they're they're sort of setting up an expedition to get more answers uh, and it's sort of this all female team. Who've all lost something along the way in their lives uh, are putting themselves out there because they have nothing better, <laughs> uh, which is great. And the the real overall concept, the real science fiction side of it is, and I think this is like the basic concept is: what if God? tried to rebuild the Garden of Eden in modern times, which is, like, that's a super fun idea. And there's so much at play uh, at this. And the film talks about, like, the biological uh, will to self-destruction. So it's kind of like Freudian um, death drive uh, and how that might rob us of our own utopia or peace because it might be ingrained in our own biology and it's also got this quasi thing where it's putting that like a scientific look at human biology up against right. sort of religious understandings and kind of playing off those uh if you want it's like a scathing work against conservatism as well because it's like you know if you keep to the guard of the old that uh entrenched fear of the new it's it's however dangerous that is it's going to kill our chances of hope and peace uh, and it, i mean these aren't like In the forefront of the main story, these are all kind of interwoven between interactions and some of the imagery you kind of piece together... Because I mean, when you're thinking about the the kind of Garden of Eden, Eden that we're being presented here, we're given a, a life force that may not even mean anyone harm, but it might present itself as the next evolutionary food chain or something like that, and it's going to be wiping out humanity. But it doesn't. It's doing it because that's just the nature of the universe. Things progress. Things move on, no matter how scary. You know, there's there's a lot of that sort of what, what form would these things come in if they're based in reality, or what what shape we, they would take and how they would affect. us. Us who are still here beating the shit out of each other with clubs <laughs> 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 on, on the other side of that as well there's also a human story of what uh what i think and i mean again you're kind of dealing with imagery here but it's like what a family might looked like after an event in my head it was uh i did like tim i think said on first time watchers that he his guess was uh, it was dealing with a separation of a marriage and i was thinking that it's more to do with the uh what happens if one or both people in a relationship end up with like a debilitating disease like cancer and how that changes Your life from that point onwards, where you end up losing the even if you survive it, you lose who you were before because of the the trauma of the event. Uh, So like, there's this these these huge themes, right, are laying dormant. Uh, through imagery and small little quips of dialogue and sort of exposition behind this kind of slow paced bit of a mystery thriller, <laughs> uh, science fiction, uh, creepy, horror esque kind of film. And, uh, that's, uh, that's again, it's kind of like a rival. And what I mean is that the form might not entirely suit the, the, the metaphorical setup that it's trying to get at. You know, it's kind of maybe being a bit like a critical fiction. Uh, something that's supposed to be in a form that's accessible to, to audiences. And yet it's trying to teach them something. I probably said that about Arrival at the time. <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 um, yeah. So what, what it's trying to do, it's, it's taking your, your airport thriller, your run-of-the-mill alien-esque story and and giving it a a fucking huge dose of of weight in the background so that you're walking away with with a scratching head and it it would be all for naught if they didn't actually pull it off in the last third. The thing... (laughs) Uh, that I was dreading with the film was as it was going along was that we were going to end up with like a monster movie that it was going to become this big fucking dinosaur chase scene or some shit that we were going to get a bunch of people running for their lives like oh we gotta get out of here it's not (laughs) it's super fucking slow paced It's, it's just a bit of a trip that we basically get presented with some really fucking cool imagery uh, what can only be described as a as a space asshole <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it realistically in metaphorical terms it's something like uh, some sort of deity or god that is or even some sort of seed that is planting this new life we're getting this imagery of a lighthouse as potentially like the tree of life in the Garden of Eden and and all the sort of semi little bits and pieces of the, of that story are kind of translated into new more alien forms to show what that might look like and it's fascinating I love what they did with it and it really pays off the slow creep to me I wasn't super infested and I was wondering what was happening but I was I didn't really care what they were going to see I just knew it was going to be doom and gloom Uh, but, uh, but what's more rewarding is that when you get there and it's something that you genuinely are surprised to see they really go somewhere with it really take the visuals somewhere and try and tell a story that's not just as conventional as the bits and pieces it's drawing from and so that's why like to me like annihilation is worth the gamble if you liked a film like arrival you'll get a lot of something from it in the same way if if because it deals with those kind of bigger things and it gives you weird images and weird endings that just kind of aren't what you're finding in your everyday pulp fiction sci-fi alien thriller so it, it was great i loved it
0: sounds fun and the funny thing is is that uh, i was just reading quickly uh, and apparently the producer there was a producer on the film that uh, had a lot of trouble with it and he thought the movie was going to be too complicated he too said intellectual. it was too
2: cerebral for the audiences and then he, he wanted to to get a cut a lot and film far more conventional scenes and i think they they decided to go against it
0: yeah. yeah, exactly. The, the, the other Scott Rudin, the producer, and even Alan, they were like, "No, fuck this. We're, 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 this is the movie we want to make." And so, and it's kind of funny because every time this happens a lot in sci-fi. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at even Darren Aronofsky's *The Fountain*, had gone through those types of things as well. I mean, even like uh, I think when they were uh, getting ready to shoot, you know, Brad Pitt was like, "I want to make changes to do this. I want to add this. This is too complicated and all that." And Aronofsky was like, "No, I'm not changing anything." And Brad Pitt was like, "Fine, I'm leaving." And they left and Cape Blanchett. Went they, they went and did Babel, and then you'll have you know the Fountain as we have it today with Hugh uh, Hugh Jackman and, and uh, Rachel Weisz, mm-hmm. that was shot for forty million dollars less than the supposedly they were going to have the budget, and he had to make so many fucking cuts yeah. to bring it down to whatever it is. And even when you watch that movie. I still really enjoy it but I would have loved to see a director's cut of that film because Absolutely. once he handed it in they butchered it man apparently there was a 2 hour and 15 minute version of it and it's down to 90 minutes there's a 45 minutes missing in that story that could have been really interesting to see mm-hmm. you know I feel I have, I have a feel I don't know like Arrival I'm pretty sure that they left it as is I'm, I'm pretty sure pretty they, sure they, you they got trusted the right them and they were that. like yeah uh-huh. but I was listening this uh, today actually when I went out for my long ass walk uh, <laughs> there was an interview that jeff goldsmith did with um Keir Dula doula and um oh, i forgot the other guy they're both in 2001 a space odyssey mm. and it's one of those things that you know i don't i don't know if they had any test screenings back then i i didn't i'm, I'm misinformed on that right now but it would have been interesting to see because apparently like 2001 a space odyssey had gone through that type of process as well as like the first screenings notoriously you had rock hudson just get up during the screenings like fuck this he just walked out yeah, you know and, and you had a bunch of sense. people that just <laughs> fall out but i mean 2 or 3 months later down the line apparently people were lining up uh they were taking lots of drugs and walking into the movie theater yeah i mean that's that's the thing with these kind of I films if
2: they do find an audience if people are willing to put them out there it's just that they have to get a little bit of word of mouth of you will not guess how far fucking weird this film is you know and i yeah. i mean i'm not fucking putting annihilation out there like it's fucking 2001 2001 is like
0: a, no no i'm just saying annihilation
2: is a is just a really solid really fascinating discussion piece uh, of modern sci-fi in the vein of arrival and interstellar and all those films that we've been talking about lately that have kept us going ex machina as well ex machina i would say it along a lot faster than Annihilation. That's what I think a lot of people are drawn to that more. It keeps you far more invested, more readily. Uh, but I would also say this is dealing with a lot weightier stuff. Um, so, I mean, but yeah, no, it's interesting. It doesn't feel like there was much missing. Which is am I, I gonna
0: like it? I, fuck yeah!
2: I almost certainly. <laughs> okay, cool. If you All can get right, past that first forty me. minutes of falling asleep, you'll be fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I notoriously fall asleep through everything. Now it's uh, really bad. I have to, I have to do something about that. I, now, now it's getting more difficult. to actually yeah. sit through two hours of movies. I'm just like. I'm, I'm I'm almost forty now.
2: Yeah, that's just... <laughs> the the four o narcolepsy
0: Terrible. kicking in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I have to make a documentary about that just for Wally. Hey, Wally, I got a documentary on narcolepsy for you. Just sleep through the, it's just these giant patches of black screen with no sound, <laughs> just so that people can live the same experience over and over again with me. Oh, and I'll, just sweet you, I'll, I'll
1: just tweet you out the uh, the Shia LaBeouf gift of him applauding. In a in a theater by
0: himself. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your pretentious bullshit. Ew. You've done
1: it. No, see, no, awesome. that that's actually a fascinating idea for a documentary. If it's all done first person, yeah, I'd watch it. Now, this is someone who watched Paint Drying and Baba Land. Paint Drying is eight hours of a camera pointed at the wall while the paint dries, uh. and that was. Re- and I watched it because it was a, re- a revenge piece from the filmmaker to the to the awards panel because they have to watch every movie that comes by. And so he no made way. he made this like endurance movie, and then Bob Altman is eight hours of sheep. Amazing. No narration, fuck? no context. Eight hours of sheep.
2: See, that's the kind of shit they should play in like bars or something. Because I like <laughs> to flick my attention
0: back to that shit every now
2: and then when yeah. I lose interest in conversation. <laughs> It'd be better than
1: sports bloopers
0: with no sound. <laughs> oh man. Here I here I was just going like I watched the 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 the. Long edit of *Intolerance* by Griffith. I sat through all three hours of that. It was great. And here you're telling me you watch literally watched paint dry. (laughs) Exactly that. But I mean, watching *Intolerance* was like watching paint dry. I was like, I get it, and I understand it. I'm not the the audience. I mean, the movie came out in what 1913 or 14 or some shit like that. You know. But I remember, like, we were sitting there, and I was, this was a, for a film class, a history a history of film class. And I remember we were sitting, all of us in the audience, and then the the we were like, okay, and then it fades to black, and we we're like, whew, all done. And then it said, end <laughs> of part one, and we were like, no, oh, what the <laughs> fuck, <laughs> you know? And then we had to sit through the other three parts of that fucking movie. We we're like, oh man, this is it was insane. I really had. to But a weren't you changed? But watching paint. Was I... Um, yeah, I, I was, in a way. I knew I would never watch it again.
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> that, that's how I feel about a lot of art films. Like, I appreciate the yeah. sentiment. I like it's thinking about movie. them. But I don't... Typically, I don't... Like, in uh, 2016, I watched a film called Cemetery of Splendor. This long film, very silent. I think it was made in Thailand. But it, it ended up following, like, a woman with, like, a deformed leg. And there's a long scene of just this guy kissing it up and down out in public. And, it, it, like, I, I was invested in this nonsense like uh <laughs> it was clearly telling me something that i just was not understanding and it might have had something to do with the the culture that it was coming from or it might have had to do with the fact that i'm just not very i wasn't very engaged but i mean i i i will never watch it
0: again but I think about it all the fucking time. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Do you think about the the sheep and the paint there, Wally? Uh,
1: I only I only uh, think about it when I want to bring it up and wear it like a little badge of honor that I <laughs> I, I sat through this.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm gonna shoot my movie out at yeah. you guys. Uh, the movie that I wanted to talk about is uh, last year's "I Tanya." The haters always say, Tanya, tell the truth.
2: There's no such thing as truth. Everyone has their own truth. I was the best figure skater in the world at one point in time.
1: You call that a clean skate? Stop talking to her. That girl is your enemy.
0: Who's that?
2: Jeff was my first date ever. And my mom came. You need to see a wholesome American family. I don't have a wholesome American family.
1: Well, ever your fault, I was embarrassed for you. My entire life, I've been told I wouldn't amount to anything. And you know what? Maybe I would.
0: 4.8 How do I get a fair shot here? We
2: also judge on presentation.
0: Ah! On- i are gonna even the playing field. I know a guy shouldn't even be saying his name. Derek.
2: To the press wanted me to be the pile of crap.
0: I never did this. What is going on? We're with the FBI. They know something. What can you tell us about Tanya Harding? I don't know a Tony Harding.
1: <laughs> Aren't you her bodyguard? As a kid, did you ever love me? I made you a champion, knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. He cursed me. America, they want someone to love, they want someone
2: to hate. I mean, come on! What kind of friggin' person bashes in their friend's knee? Who would do that to a friend?
0: That uh, that uh, is directed by uh, Greg Gillespie, uh, Craig Gillespie. Sorry, it was written by uh, Stephen Rogers, and I I listened to an interview with him, and he's a really great guy. Uh, Lee, I'm gonna have to send you that episode if you want to hear about a guy, a screenwriter that hates writing. Uh, he's Amazing. one of them. It's- It's wonderful to hear him talk. He was like, thank God, I'm not alone. (laughs) (laughs) He'll do anything to not write. He Mm. says the dog that he has right now is living a happy life because he just goes out on walks with them so Uh. that he can get out of the house (laughs) and not write. It's great. great. Uh, it stars uh, Margot Robbie as mm-hmm. um, Tanya Harding, uh, Sebastian Stan as Jeff Galouli, and see Allison Janney as LaVonna Harding. Maybe not Harding, but LaVonna, uh, who plays Tanya Harding's mother. Mm. Um, I had heard a lot of good stuff about the film. I am old enough to remember this in the news.
2: I had to read about it. I had never heard of it.
0: You were one year old when this happened. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, one year old when this happened. I remember I, this is all over the news. Uh, when when i when I was a kid mm. And I was watching this, and going like, "Wow, this is weird." I mean, who attacks figure skaters? There's so much drama in figure skating; it doesn't make any sense. And I'll be honest with you guys: I actually like figure skating. Uh, it's one of the things that's well, Chelsea, like. uh, one of our friends. On, <laughs> yeah, one of our friends that that's on Twitter, Chelsea uh, Williford. Uh, she really loves. She she gets into mm. the figure skating like you wouldn't believe. And I, I'll be honest, I like I like pissing her off a little bit, i have to talk about. But I, I'll be honest, I I do enjoy watching figure skating. And I don't know why. Yeah, it's not one of those things that I'm going to be like parading around here in Quebec City, going to like some (laughs) rink on a Saturday morning to watch five year olds just twirl. It's like this creepy guy. What are you doing here, man? I love the ice skating. Is this one of your daughters? No, it's not one of my daughters. I just like figure skating. Get the fuck out. That's what they would tell me. (laughs) They will never believe you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, get your hand out of your pants. But um, where's the RCMP? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, steal those little wacky pants of theirs and i mean to be honest i wasn't expecting this movie at all uh the way that it came at me uh it had a goodfellas and wolf of wall street vibe where you know it's it's scorsese-esque where it just keeps hitting you in the head so fucking hard with how violent it actually is not only is it in terms of like physical violence or the physical abuse that's in the film but there's actually psychological violence in it as well now The way that the movie is shaped is actually different accounts all occurring at the same time. So it's basically these two individuals that are Tanya Harding and and Jeff Gillooley that do not talk to each other anymore. And they are telling two different versions, their versions of what happened. And it's weird because when you're watching the movie, you don't even know who the fuck is telling the truth. However, what I did like is that it's a movie about social class. It's a movie about social equality or equal opportunity. Um, and it just goes to show that, you know, there are bullies wherever the fuck you go. And especially when it comes to social class, figure skating, uh, it kind of like tennis in a way is very elitist in the way that they go about it. I think we can include golf in there as well. It's not or like basketball. banner
2: term, sports in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where I was like, Ugh, I have to side with Harding on this because I've I i like I, I've gone on the record many times and saying that I'm not necessarily a guy who enjoys watching things with bullies in them. But when I watch it, I, was, I started feeling a little bit more sympathetic towards her because the news had really painted her out as being a really trashy shithead that couldn't stand the fact that there was another girl out there doing better than she was. And then when you started reading the news on it, it was very one-sided. And it's because Kerrigan actually came from a very wealthy family. She was well off. She was well respected. She was a little bit prettier. Uh, you know, her costumes were better and all that. And they cover a little bit of that in this movie. But from Harding's perspective, they don't necessarily talk about Kerrigan herself, but they talk about how judgmental and how many opportunities were kind of taken away from Harding because of the fact that she wasn't necessarily from a well-off family. She she calls herself white trash in the movie as well, <laughs> you know? And it's a little bit sad to see that, you know, I was under the impression I was watching Rocky where you're like, he just, like, the hits just keep on coming and she gets back up to perform again, mm. where you're like, motherfucker, how, how, how bad do some people have it? And you have to really want it the way that She was portrayed in this movie as a girl that really, really, really wanted to skate. It's the only thing that she had. She was the only woman – one of the six women in the world that could actually land a triple axel, which is uh, really impressive when you think about it. It's not something that I I knew was uh, difficult to do because – uh, well, I mean, I can't do it. <laughs> but the thing is, I could probably not be able to do it just wearing shoes. But it was impressive to see just how much abuse that this person has gone through and, and and was able to come out. I won't say a better person, but now she has a son. She spends a lot of time with him. Apparently, she's not like her mom at all. She's doing kind of well uh, in terms of like moving on with her life. Mm. Uh, she doesn't she hasn't hold, held a grudge uh, w- with regards to that. And I'm happy this story came out. Uh, the performances in it are Jesus fucking Christ, man! They're amazing. Margot Robbie, I you know, I first saw her in The Wolf of Wall Street, and I was like, well, she's going to be known as the girl that's the naked chick in The Wolf of Wall Street. She's you know, yeah, she man, just it, looks it, good. It looked
2: like a doomed career, absolutely at the time.
0: <laughs> but now she's 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 a big star now, in my opinion. Anyway, absolutely, you know, she landed Harley Quinn obviously, and I didn't think that they did a, did her any justice, even though she was the best part of the Suicide Squad. They did exploit her in a way that I didn't particularly think was a good thing.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and, and in this one, I mean, she really has given a, a lot of screen time to shine. Uh, and it's really great to see her be able to do this. And I'm looking forward to seeing more movies with her in it. Sebastian Stan, I didn't even recognize him at first. And I do mm. want him to play a young Luke Skywalker in a movie <laughs> somewhere because he just looks great. Sebastian Stan, I want to see him in everything as well. And, but obviously, the, the standout is Alice and Janney as her mother, LaVonna. Holy fucking hell. What a despicable human being this woman has to be in real life for for Alice and Jenny to pull this off and be like, my God, it's insane. Hmm. The the trauma this woman must have inflicted on her young daughter. Because the movie spans – from the age of five to forty-four in Tanya Harding's life, and you could you could just tell that like the mother daughter relationship this and this is toxic. Is putting it lightly? <laughs> <laughs> it's just too intense to really understand that there are parents out there that would do this to their kids. You know, I, I was watching this, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to show my kids this film because they'd realize that sometimes when I get angry. At least I'm not this person.
1: You know, it would be a really interesting thing.
0: The last little bit that I want to talk about is how, uh, like, I mentioned a little bit more, like, the Goodfellas aspect of it or the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, the violence that's in it, that it was Scorsese esque. I mean, she she gets hit. Harding gets hit so many times by Galuli. The, 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 she gets beaten, and it just goes to show these abusive relationships. The fact that, you know, her mother was actually paying an individual to chastise her while she was on the ice because she figured that she would perform better if she was taunted. You know, the fact that you, she would use all of this rage, all the uh, psychological beatings, physical beatings to actually fuel her career. And you're like, oh, I kind of understand what, you know, Vader was going for and the idea <laughs> that you don't understand the power of the dark side where you're like, he uses his anger to get through everything. But... I, I'll be honest I wasn't expecting it when I sat down to watch it when that first blow lands when when he hits her for the first time I was like oh shit I, I wasn't expecting that to happen and then the second hit happens and I was like oh it continues <laughs> and it just gets worse and worse and worse when he starts beating her my girlfriend was on the couch and just like what the fuck are you watching Jesus Christ. I was like this yeah, is I I really wanted to...
2: it's about um figure and, skating uh, also domestic abuse <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> like,
0: Oof, two blows let, Leslie Leslie got up she's like I can't stand it I'm gonna go in the room and I'll watch my my. She was Marvel. Her, it? forensic <laughs> files oh, like course. she'll she'll tolerate murder and, like, poisoning <laughs> and all that shit but you know the what I'm watching is just too intense and so uh I, what the one time that I thought was just intense is he, he actually hits her with a, a head of lettuce bang and you're not expecting it and I was like I, I couldn't Take it. It was just so weird to see this kind of physical abuse look so like raw but I'll be honest with you it's it's even if it was one of the most unsettling movies that I've watched even if I think that there are very much big contradictions within the film itself that were designed to be that way it's a movie that I'm going to rewatch no matter I I think it might actually be loosely based on on true events Mm. but they they haven't gotten down to like really figuring everything out Uh, maybe I don't think that this is exactly who Tanya is but maybe a a version of who Tanya Harding is the same thing with glue and even Lavanna. But I'll be honest, I- I'm going to buy this movie. I, I wasn't mm. expecting to really get invested the way I did in this film. And fucking hell, I recommend it so much. But be prepared. If you're going to sit down, you're in for a roller coaster ride of weird ass violence. You're going to hate everyone there. And it's just so weird to say that it's actually kind of an endearing film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I mean, I guess would you say that with regards to the fact that it does is based on reality, would you say it's it's a good film in its own right anyway because r- regardless of the context of the actual thing, the story it's really trying to tell of abuse is more important to get the people than say maybe misinterpreting a couple of facts about the original
0: assault or No, man. Uh, they're they're showing just how over the top and ridiculous this story actually can be. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not actually trying to shed any light on how that happened. They're not trying to sure. solve the case in any way. It's really just like these things happen in a way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and it just happened to be at a time where like, the news was just becoming what it is today. Mm. Where they're not actually trying to uh, Oh, it was um, uh, Stephen Rogers, the writer, the interview that I listened to him, he explained this very well. And he said that It was at a time where the news uh, weren't necessarily going for facts anymore, but they were trying to report whatever the hell was going on, like, on loop. So this is like the birth of 24-hour news chains. Sure. Hmm. You know, news channels where they're just like they're saying well this is happening as it's going we'll we'll give you more information yeah, as yeah. the story develops. story
2: develops we can say what we want
0: <laughs> well exactly and they're showing just one side of the story as well because I mean like Kerrigan did make a big stink uh, when you go back and watch the video you know like the the whole acting that she'd done and I mean I'm positive it hurt you know she she was in the cast and all that shit and so like you know but it was like the no why why and like just the the entirety of what the hell went down with regards to that and how it came to be pinned on 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 tanya who was we don't know if she's actually really involved or not involved we know that the people that are involved were somewhat related to her in some way or connected to her in some way and mm-hmm. and so it just goes to show that you know some to me anyway it, it was really a movie about uh, inequality about social injustice when it comes to those types of things. But at the same time, it it's, it seems like a real interesting cautionary tale when you think about it as well. You know, there's this girl that wanted to become a princess and like she had to fucking pay the price for it no matter <laughs> how good she was. That's the that's the fun thing is, is that it, like a, a lot of the, what the American dream is is if you practice hard and you work hard you'll you'll be able to achieve it. But then they don't tell you the other side of it where they're like, yeah, even if you do practice hard there are going to people at the end of there, when you actually are succeeding, that are there to just beat the shit out of you and put you down, oh you know. So <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of an odd one, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know. Cool, Wally, you've seen this, right? I did. And did you enjoy it? Did
1: you like it? I dug it actually. I, it, this made my honorable mention list for 2017. Cool. We oh, used cool. to we used to do a top ten. Uh, we cut it down to a top five for brevity's sake. And so this okay. would have made my top ten of the year probably would have been in the nine ten mark.
0: Mm. Okay, but.
1: It would, it would have made it would have made the list because I had a I had a good time with it. I, given the subject matter, I found the movie entertaining, and I was in, you know following the story and as it was as it was going along. I feel that that whole Wolf of Wall Street vibe and, and manner of, of telling the story. I feel that they yeah. might have they should have pushed it a little bit more. I think because okay. it, it's it's fairly cartoony to begin with, and maybe that's what Craig Gillespie yeah. was going was was going for was. Showing, like, this is really cartoony, but it's also... We then have to it gets real as rounded. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Like, well, the Wolf of Wall Street is just off the wall, left and right, with, with everything mm-hmm. that goes on. I, I think that maybe he was taking a, a different approach with trying to show, essentially, both, you know, two sides of of a, of a story where, still to this day, no one's really entirely sure who actually knew what, and, you know, neither side's ever going to cop to it. But, right, right. You know who I thought was also awesome in this too was uh, Paul Walter Hauser as Sean. Because if this guy is any, if this guy is anything <laughs> yeah. like that in real life, like, oh my god. <laughs> just
0: that yeah, Sean Sean actually died, I think it was in two thousand four. Yeah. And it's just that that have you ever seen an interview with the guy, Sean? Uh,
1: I, I, the only, the only, the only, thing I saw is the, um, the, the footage that they showed at the end. But here's, okay, here's where the character of Sean. I think the reason why the character of Sean cracks me up is that uh, I grew up and have and still friends with some people who think like Sean. Yeah. So uh, one of my friends, uh, and this is a, a, a tangent story, but one of my friends is a, a, a martial artist. He's got a black belt in kempo, and okay. we're at a flea market, and he's looking at at wooden swords. And I'm behind him, watching him, you know, pick up the sword, and, and actually kind of demonstrating in the hallway, like the mm, aisleway right. of the flea market, that he's like, oh, you could, you could, you know, you could attack this way, and you can get him on the backslash. To which I said, uh, I, "Are we expecting the Persians to cross the border?" Anytime soon? <laughs> so to teach him, to teach him an abject lesson, uh, we went back. To, we ended up going back to his place to hang out, and I said, "I'll be right back." So I ran out to my car and. I come back into his house and I'm like, all right. So, Ian, like, what would you do with this sword, like, in in a given situation? So we square off and he he draws the sword. I pull my airsoft gun and shoot him twice in the chest with an airsoft pellet. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Your sword is ineffective.
0: <laughs> oh, man. oh, my God. Fuck, oh. you
2: guys are, like, recreating
1: super dark times in your own time. Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> but uh.
1: the, the mall ninja-esque persona of Sean, yeah. I've been around these people. And, and they're a lot of them go to Comic-Con and, and the comic store, and they play magic. <laughs> which,
0: and I've yeah, heard yeah. stories,
1: uh, uh, numerous stories of, of their exploits. I'm just like, oh, yeah, sh- all right, cool. Yep, yeah, that's, uh, that's your thing. Awesome.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, but that, it, It's just so weird because, I mean, like, um, just going back on how the movie was structured and all that, the interview with, with Rogers, he was saying that the script was actually written the way it was. He wanted to, the story to be told in first person the way it was, interview style, so that they could break the fourth wall because they figured that if they just shot the movie the way like a regular movie would be, Most people would be like, what the fuck is this? It's just too much conflicting information Hmm. to actually be put into one linear narrative. So that by having them tell their their stories, that way you could actually just watch it and be like, okay, these people were at odds since the beginning. And then with the Sean character, uh, he couldn't interview that guy, obviously. But the way that they actually – he talks about it, he said – Sean comes, he, you know, he's an he's a overweight man that lived in his parents' basement, and basically, in that type of situation, they would, people like that would tell them stealth stories in order to get by, to make their life entertaining in a way. And so, even if he was, like, talking about, like, you know, hiring assassins and, and doing all <laughs> those things, you're like, holy fuck, you know, how do you get to the point where, you know what, I'm gonna make my life so interesting that it becomes somewhat Mission Impossible-esque. I have, <laughs> you know, I have operated with. My best operators were on the case. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is such a great line. You know,
0: you 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 have a feeling that you're going to see Jay and Silent Bob pop up. You know what I mean? Well, you kind of do,
1: especially when you see later that the guy moved the car like oh, 50 times amazing. in the span of 45 minutes to his not look conspicuous, and then the, yeah. <laughs> the actual the actual hitter gets
0: lost. It has to like that walk through, through a glass the wrong door. space as well. Yeah. Oh man, but it's brilliant. Lee, uh, You haven't seen it yet, right?
2: No, I've not. As of yes, do
0: yourself a favor, man. You really have to get to it. I will it's,
2: absolutely. It's really, it sounds it's really fun.
0: Impressive. All right, so that's it for us. I mean, we were we had other movies to cover, but we're an hour and fifteen yeah, minutes in right we've, now. We're we've gonna chatter away. we chattered away like down.
2: morons. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I want to I want to thank Mr. Walter Vichy Yes, uh, thank again you for coming on. This is so much fun. Uh, so please, Mr. Sir, can you please tell us where we could uh, find you online if you want to interact with the individuals that. Support our show
1: <laughs> absolutely you can find our main show twitter account at 1sttimewatchers on, on twitter uh, you can find me at Walter waltervinci and you can also find our show on iTunes by searching for first time watchers I believe we're also on Stitcher Tim has all the information on that So yeah I'll, you guys are there yep, so we're also on Stitcher too so you can find us there too yep
0: yep Yep. great Julio alright Lee plug your stuff yep yeah, uh, you can
2: you can find me on twitter at Lee Paul Brady you can also get me on instagram where I'm uh, posting real just solid A plus crap. Uh, cats. At, yeah, yeah, and cats. At Lee Paul Brady as well. Uh, that's really it. I'm just doing writing and, and taking photos. So, I mean, not much to keep you updated.
0: Jason. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank everybody who's actually gone out and left reviews of the show. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's been really cool. We're up to eight reviews now on iTunes, and I really want to applaud you guys. Thank you so much. I'll give you guys a shout-out by name. Eventually, when I've collected, there's a couple of people that I have no idea who it was, which is a good thing in my opinion. Yeah, it's looking awesome. Uh, be sure to follow S. <laughs> See on twitter at atlantic sc uh, check out our facebook page as well we still use that it's kind of fun there no one really does anything there but we do so come over and say hi instagram obviously atlantic sc podcast and you can follow me jason b michael uh, on twitter and the same thing uh, on instagram thank you so much for tuning in guys see you next time bye bye bye
1: see ya